Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm Peter Steinfeld. Today, I'm talking with Jeff Dow, a protection and resiliency manager at a major national financial organization. With years of experience in the U.S. Coast Guard, including two tours as a commanding officer, Jeff transitioned to the private sector 10 years ago and brings his deep operational resiliency skills to the private sector. In this episode, Jeff shares how he achieved 24 by 7 resiliency with a small team responsible for thousands of dispersed employees. A challenge indeed. Let's get into the conversation. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really looking forward to the conversation. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start at the macro level. What's the biggest trend that keeps you up at night in your profession? Probably like a lot of companies after the pandemic hit, we have gone to a, a hybrid first model. That also means that our employees can choose to work home full time. So we are now a much more geographically dispersed workforce, and we're represented in like 48 or 49 states. Oh, wow. Part of that is trying to make sure that we can keep an eye on people wherever they are. One of the things that concerns me is any sort of climate-related disruptive event. We just saw this summer 31 days in Phoenix of greater 110-degree weather. We had the first tropical storm warnings in California ever. And of course, what happened to Maui. The size of those disruptive events, now that we are geographically dispersed, that's been a challenge. It's been something that our team has really been focused on. On top of, I am sure people can resonate with anything from a cyber resiliency or anything to do with data. That's every day. But the scope and scale of those, I think, are starting to to accelerate quite a bit. You know, I think we're hearing this a lot from other organizations out there. Some of the guests I've had on the show, a lot of our listeners have told us that, yeah, I used to be responsible for 10, 20, 100 sites. Now I've got 10,000, 100,000 sites with people working from home. So what are the keys to success in maintaining resilience in your organization when you've got this new challenge? So we have a team of four people. So two on the business resiliency side, two in the safety and security side. So we only have four people to manage again, across every state in the country and in different sites. Wow. So since about 2021, we have been onboarding new technology in both departments. So the first one we did was a, a new business continuity management system. It's the first time we've had a tool like this. We still have some more work to go, but it is definitely a better way for us to manage our business continuity plans. The second piece that we brought on just recently is a new threat intelligence uh, application that combines mass notification and situational awareness, which, as we just talked about with the breadth and scope of where we are, that's so important. So we're really trying to focus that situational awareness, and we're using the fact that we're onboarding that threat intelligence as sort of a gateway into talking about situational awareness, both at the corporate level and then the personal level. And then finally, those systems are, we're integrating those into our HR and our IT system. So for example, with both threat intelligence and our business continuity management system, HR is feeding in there. So we kind of know where people are. We know what jobs they're in. Pretty proud of the team and being able to onboard that kind of technology. That's really going to make us far more effective. Yeah. When you can't throw people at a problem, you have to find force multipliers. And that really is technology. And I think you're finding that's making a big difference. Absolutely. Yep. That 
the technology piece, one of the ways we talk to our boss and our boss's boss about bringing on the business continuity management system was the struggle, the challenge we're having as we merge with a company, we may develop new products, open new sites, and we're not adding any more of our BR staff. And so we said, listen, that's the growth strategy of the company. The best way that we can support the growth is to give us this technology so two people can still do this job. But that's interesting. It sounds like that you tied your request for budget for a solution like this to the growth strategy of the company. And did that just open all sorts of doors for you that made executives who don't understand DR and business continuity and resiliency say, ah, okay, yeah, you're right. We should invest with that. We were fortunate that our entire line of, of where we report to at one point or another are either currently on our crisis response leadership team or were on the crisis response leadership team. So they all understand it. We were able to give them a little bit more ammunition so they could go to where they parse out the money for long-term projects and say, hey, my BR team is looking at the fact that we have a growth strategy and this is a way that they can help support it. And that helped in our ability to get the funding. We use a similar strategy when we did threat intelligence. We said, you know, hey, we have people asking us what's going on in Portland, Oregon, in we just don't have the, the bandwidth to keep tracking those things. If you give us this technology, we can start to be able to, to give you, the executives, the information that you need and make decisions that you need. So that was something we were very conscientious about, what our boss's boss needed, and it worked. That's fantastic. One thing you mentioned earlier, I, I want to call out again, because I think it's really insightful and important, and I'm not sure how many people have thought of this, but as so many people have shifted to hybrid work or fully remote work, all the plans that we've put in place for years to deal with any kind of an emergency, probably not going to work so well when you have that few people because it, it's just a whole different element now. And you really need to go back and revisit those plans. Absolutely. One of the things that I would welcome anyone that's listening to this to, to give us some ideas, we are still operating under the assumption that you know an active threat is a possibility at any of our sites. Less likely because we don't have as large a concentration of people, but it's not a 0% chance. And trying to figure out the best way to do training when we've got a far more remote workforce is a bit of a challenge. Trying to get people to understand what to do if you don't have someone to help you potentially hide or barrier or any of the things that you learn about with Active Threat. We've really had to try to partner with the leaders of the company and our team members to say, you know, We need your help now. We can't do this just on our own. Switching topics a little bit, what are some of the unique resiliency challenges in the finance and insurance industry specifically, maybe outside of physical security? One thing I wanted to talk about, you know, we, our combined team now, we've really tried to understand how do we show value to the company? Like, What are we here for? Our job is to keep our people safe, keep our site secured keep our business operations functioning after a disruptive event, help serve our customers. So we're in a financial institution. People need to have access to their funds. They give us money to manage, to provide insurance, to provide investments. We found out during COVID that the finance industry was considered one of the critical infrastructure. We have people's money that they may need. So that's something that we really look at is, Keeping our people safe, it's twofold. One, we want our people safe. But two, we want to put them in the best position 
that they can continue serving our customers. So I think our challenges are probably very similar to other to other industries. We just very we just really focus on the fact that we want to make sure that we put our company, our people in the best position to be safe and serving our customers. Yeah, try to spend enough time left of boom so when you get to right of boom, it's a little bit easier to (laughs) get back to normal. Well, are there any finance industry specific business resiliency regulations that you have to adhere to? Things that other organizations don't have to contend with? So we have been using the ISO 22301 as the basic framework for how we model our business continuity program. One of the things that from a finance standpoint, it really is to make sure that those partners that we have or regulators understand that we are keeping that the end customer in mind and keeping them access to their cash. The other thing is communication. A lot about communication, making sure that we can talk to our people and our people can talk to their customers. Our role in that is really that threat intelligence mass notification tool that we use. We get asked sometimes, you know, are you able to communicate with your people outside of like phone call, cell phone? So we do have other ways to make sure we can communicate with our folks. But like I said, at the end of the day, our company needs to ensure that our customers can access their money. So do you have to spend a lot of time working with the IT department and just make sure that you can stay up with all your different regulatory compliances that you have to and make sure that people have access to the tools they need to so people can get their funds when they need to. Absolutely. IT is an absolutely critical partner of ours and specifically the IT ops and uh, IT disaster recovery. We really don't make a move when it comes to anything impacting our data, impacting our systems. The CIO is a permanent member of our business resiliency steering committee and also our crisis leadership team. Disaster recovery, when questions like that come in from regulators or other vendors, people naturally assume that's our team, business resiliency. And they don't understand that disaster recovery really is that data recovery, that IT piece. We're here to help. We'll get people to the right place. We'll make sure that they know who they need to talk to, but definitely a really close partnership with the IT team in general. Yeah, it seems like that we're, as a society, so dependent on IT these days and everything happens so fast. And that's because of IT that if there is some kind of event that occurs, I mean, that convergence is real. It has to be. Well, could you share a success story or perhaps a memorable incident where your team ensured safety and security in your organization? Yeah. So this is actually before I got into the role that I'm at now where I manage both teams. For folks in the Midwest, they probably remember a dip in the polar vortex at the end of January 2019. And there was predictions of air temps at 25 below, but the wind chill was going to be minus 50. Up until that point, our company had not closed a building for over 10 years. Our team got the crisis team together, IT was on there, and we had an excellent conversation about, okay, can we work from home? Now, this is 2019. It's about a year before COVID. We had never done a mass work from home exercise. We talked about it, but we'd never done it. We had done it at the team level, but never at the enterprise level. IT said, let's see what we can do. We closed three buildings for the first time in 10 years. It was the right move. It was brutally brutally cold. So we closed for an entire day. We had people that were able to work from home. Now, it was not what we did a year later. But without that polar vortex 
incident and our team really saying, okay, what can we learn from this? We became much more agile. Our crisis team made the decision that we are telling the executives we're going to work from home. We have to be quicker on how we make decisions. We have to be empowered. We have to make sure that we can push things out as we need. I think that all happened as a result of the polar vortex really kind of being a dry run for what happened a year later in COVID, COVID response, where business resiliency and safety and security, we really started to work closer together. We had been moved under the same department, but we still weren't the same team. So polar vortex led to a much better response to COVID. If we didn't apply the lessons we had in Polar Vortex and we made those requests for that technology in 2021, I'm not sure we still would have gotten it because we really showed that, hey, we take this stuff incredibly seriously. This is something that we want to do to make sure our company and our people are safe. And and I think we built up that credibility through those back-to-back, essentially, significant incidents. Well, as we start to wrap up here, as you look back on your career, do you have anything that you're really passionate about that you would offer as advice to other resiliency leaders in the insurance and finance industries or just anybody in general? Develop as much as you can good executive relationships. They are just a wealth of knowledge. And a steering committee is also the primary leaders for the crisis response leadership team. So we meet with them frequently or regularly as a steering committee. So when we do have to meet with them during a crisis, it's not the second time I've talked to an SVP. I spent a good chunk of my time when in the Coast Guard before coming to the finance industry. When I was in the service, I was on four ships, I was the captain of a couple of them. And I spent a lot of my time looking at hurricanes, where mm-hmm. they are, where they're going to hit. I ended up, I, I moved to the Midwest. Never thought I'd ever have to worry about hurricanes again (laughs) until I got into this job. But that to me is just a good metaphor of you can't ever let your guard down with this in this role. And that's whether it's business resiliency, safety and security. Both of those areas are just something you always have to keep, you know, a good weather eye on, as we'd say, in the service. Um, And then developing trust in your team. So I am fairly new in the safety and security world where I've got two safety and security specialists that are fantastic. Uh, I really need their help when we have issues come up or if someone's asking me a question that I, I can't answer sometimes, a lot of times, quite frankly. So I have to make sure I go to my team. And having that two-way trust is absolutely significantly important. Well, Jeff, this has been great. Thanks so much for taking the time to be here. A lot of combination of lessons learned and good advice. Really, really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Sean. This was absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Peter. You bet. For more about Jeff and his career in resiliency, click the links in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more expert advice to help you protect your business and people. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for Alert Media on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.